I want to talk about a subject today, and the reason we call this Spark Notes, I, from what I understand, in the younger generations, they have something called Spark Notes. We had Cliff Notes. Anyone? Yeah. You know them. Yeah. Cliff Notes were awesome because they told us we had to read books. And I was like, I'm not going to read this book. And the Cliff Notes you could buy for like $3, and it would tell you everything you need to know. Now, I had a professor in college who took the Cliff Notes, found all the mistakes, and asked those questions on the test. So he knew exactly who had read the Cliff Notes only. I don't know this from personal experience. So if you love Spark Notes, Cliff Notes, so you don't have to read the whole book, you've come to the right Sundays. So what I want to talk about today, what I want to dig into, is something that I think all of us need to wrestle with in this current cultural moment, and one that we will continue walking in a, in a cyclical way through again and again and again. And the book that I want to talk about was written by a pastor in Nashville, Tennessee. His name is Scott Sauls, and the name of the book was A Gentle Answer. And in the book, A Gentle Answer, he is um, in a conversation, he's inviting us into a conversation built around this topic, in a, in a defensive and divided world, how do we, as followers of Jesus, how do we dialogue with, how do we love those who have different perspectives and beliefs than we do? Now, if, if we don't think that is applicable to our day and age, we are disconnected from the world in which we live. Because do we live in a divided world? Do we live in a defensive world? How many defensive people are in the room today? Come on, raise your hand. Yes, we are taught, we learn how to be defensive from a young age, and if you're like me, um, you get really good at it, and if someone disagrees with you, you work as hard as you can to convince them of how they are wrong and you are right. Do I have any like-minded friends in the room? So a book like this, goes against the grain in what I've been taught and my personality. My personality is one in which I, like, I want to be right 100% of the time. I want you to know I'm right 100% of the time. And if you disagree, that's okay. I want you to eventually agree with me, and I think I can talk you into it. And there was a time I was so competitive that that competitiveness in me drove me to, to conversations that weren't um, necessarily productive. They weren't productive conversations. They were defensive conversations. And they led less, uh, they, they were less about relationship and more about um, con trying to convince you of something. Does that make sense? And so what Scott was doing is in, with, this, with this, this book is he was leading us in a discussion uh, of how would Jesus enter into the dialogue in today's world, in the political dialogue, and so that's one of the big conversations is in the political world where we're very divided, where followers of Jesus, strong followers of Jesus are on both sides of, of, of some of the issues that we face in our day. How do, we, how do we love one another and dialogue in a way that Jesus would dialogue? And one of the key things here is, I, I wanna talk to some followers of Jesus. 
Now, I believe the principles we want to talk about are applicable to all of us. So whether or not you're a follower of Jesus, I think we could we can learn and grow together. I think specifically for followers of Jesus, like this is, is key for us, especially in the coming months and the next couple of years, where dialogue is just very divisive and filled with hate. Um, Andy Stanley, who's a pastor in, in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, wrote a book recently called Not In It to Win It, and he was talking about how the church, uh, so often we've entered the dialogue and conversation just like the rest of the world where we're just trying to win a conversation. We're trying to win the dialogue. We're trying to win the day. And he said Jesus intentionally lost for a purpose on purpose. Jesus intentionally gave his life for a purpose, on purpose. And the church needs to learn that same kind of self-giving love in order to accomplish the purposes that God gave us. And so he says, how we treat, talk about, respond to, and care for one another is the identifying mark of a genuine Jesus follower, not what we say we believe. Now, some of you might push back on that and go, well, wait a minute. Belief is what's most important. Belief is, is really, really important. But Jesus himself said, the thing that will identify you as my followers is not what you say you believe, it's rather your love for one another. That's the identifying mark. Jesus himself said that. So Andy's just highlighting what Jesus said, that the, the, the mark of a follower of Jesus is how we love one another. So let's go to Scripture. And one of my favorite sections of Scripture is in the Old Testament, the Proverbs, because they're so applicable and practical to our lives. And here's what... Uh, we find in, in Proverbs, and by the way, if you don't have a journal, pick one up today at Connect Central. They're free this week. The, the, the conversations that you'll have this week, beginning on page 30, are so good. And the verse that we're focused on, Proverbs 15, chapter 1, says this, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Agree? Yes. All right, let's talk about marriage. I mean, from practical experience, those of you who are married, I mean, this is true, right? Like, uh, a gentle answer changes the whole conversation, the, the tenor of, of your, your household conversations. A gentle answer versus harsh words is a game changer. <laughs> if only we could... If only we could convince ourselves to respond with gentle answers. Um, just, you don't have to raise your hand, but question. Do, do, you ever, um, do you ever get caught up in the moment to the point where you feel like you can't control your emotions? Do you, do you ever say things you wish you could take back? So that's... That's a little bit of, of where we're going with this, the, the Proverbs. So a gentle answer deflects anger. A gentle answer tends to push against that anger, and a gentle answer sets up a tone that builds relationship rather than builds walls, and that's what Jesus wants to lead us to. Now, our harsh words, when we respond quickly in unkind ways, you know, in, in, in anger, Oftentimes, that's what creates these, these tempers that then, 
you know, divide us and keep us apart. So it goes on. So Proverbs chapter 15 continues. Um, the tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing. So when, when, when people who are wise speak, it draws us in, doesn't it? Don't, like, aren't you drawn in to really wise people when they start talking and it, it just pulls you in? The, the tongue of the wise, it makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. I love that, like the picture that he's painting there. Um, I have one of my sons, um, he's going to, I'm not going to tell you which one, um, he's the oldest, and he, um, <laughs> he has the loudest belches I've ever heard in my life. It is painful. And when I read this, um, I thought of him. I was like, the mouth of, not, he's not a fool, he's brilliant, but he belches really loudly. And I was thinking the, uh, a fool like the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. And, and, and when someone just speaks so quickly in, in, in anger, other people on the outside look at that and they go, that's just so foolish. Why would they talk like that? And then we get caught up in the emotion of a, of a circumstance or a situation and we do the same exact thing. And if we were on the outside, we'd be like, why is he talking that way? And then you think, oh, he's me. I'm talking that way. Uh, the Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye both on the evil and the good. Gentle words are a tree of life. I, and again, this, this gentleness, talking about gentleness, it's a tree of life. It feeds other people. And uh, the deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Our words and the ways that we respond and interact with one another are so very important. I was thinking like just the, the, the first verse of this. A gentle answer deflects anger. Um, in, in the political season that we're entering into, and you, you, see the, you can see the signs all over you know, the road, um, if we could just learn this one proverb, I think it would help us over the next few weeks, don't you? Just a gentle answer. If we could learn to have gentle answers. Um, in a world torn by rage and anxiety, one of the greatest gifts, and here... Again, for followers of Jesus, I want to talk specifically to followers of Jesus in the room. In, in a world that's torn by rage and anxiety, one of the greatest gifts that we can offer in these conversations is, is calm and curious presence. And that, that last piece, what is the curious presence? Do you know one of the most brilliant things Jesus did when he taught was he asked questions? And questions became the very thing that caused people to think deeper. Rather than harsh statements, Jesus didn't go around with these harsh statements that shut people down. Jesus went around and as he taught, he would ask, simply ask questions and those questions did all the work. And they created the, the, the context for, for better uh, conversation. And so, Pastor Rich here, what he's saying is, in this world and, and what we're walking into, um, we can join the chorus of, of anxiety and rage, or we can create a new uh, tenor. We can, we can create a new atmosphere. Church, I believe this is possible. That in, in our environments, in our circles, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, that when the conversations arise, we can offer a different way. I believe that. 
I believe that's what Jesus wants us to do. I think that's what Jesus himself did. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm a follower of Jesus. Look, it's not natural to me because I have my ideas, I have my perspectives, I have the things that I think are right, but that's not, that's not what builds relationship that can lead to love and transformation. When, when I press so hard, when, when I, in anger, when I increase the, the rage and the anxiety, when I do that, I'm simply building walls that makes it more difficult for Jesus to enter in and transform hearts. And church, we are called to be a different kind of people, to not just go with the flow of culture. Are you with me? Are you still here? Yeah. Okay, so I'll step on some more toes. Um, in, in, the, in the first iteration of the church, when Paul was going around, he was, he, was in a, he was creating a church in a world of division, just like we have today. And, and in many ways, um, there was greater division than today because the early church, people who claimed to follow Jesus, were being put to death for their beliefs and their actions. And so what Paul was doing is he was writing, trying to help them. How do we live in such a way that, that honors Christ in a world that's really divided? And he says this, one of the things we can do is we need to get rid of all bitterness. We need to rid ourselves of rage and anger and harsh words and slander. Oh, my goodness. Could you just circle one of those that you struggle with? Is there one of those that you think, man, I need to, I need to like root this out of my life? Bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, all kinds of evil behavior. Instead, let's say those next two words together. Instead, be kind. Instead, be kind. Tenderhearted, forgiving, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Look at what Paul is doing here. He's He's saying that we are simply to reflect the goodness that we have received, what we've experienced from God. God hasn't looked at our lives and said, you're a mess, therefore I reject you. God has actually said, you're a mess, and I'm going to receive you, and, and I'm going to give you my spirit in order to transform you into a different kind of person. And we are simply to reflect the goodness and the grace and the mercy that we've received from God, we're, we're simply to reflect that to the people we disagree with who hurt us. And I think sometimes the very things that we want to confront in the world, we become in confronting them. Bono, that great theologian, said this. Um, Bono said, uh, we must be careful in our efforts to confront the monster, not to ourselves become the monster. And I think that's what often happens is that the very things that we rage against, we become ourselves without knowing it, without realizing it. We, we, we want to confront it, and what happens is in confronting it, the very thing, and look, um, I, I, I'm going to step on all toes today. On both sides of the aisle, political aisle, it's, it's what happens when the other side gets in power. The very things that we didn't like when we were in power we do. And then it, then it flips. And they get in power, and, and then it's just back and forth and back and forth. And we become the very things that we don't like in the other person. 
we, we've got to be careful. So we rid ourselves. How do we do that? It's, it's, through, it's through Christ. It's, it's in rooting ourselves and remaining rooted in Jesus and opening ourselves every inch, every piece of ourselves, every corner of our lives. It's in opening ourselves to the Spirit of God that we can be transformed and made, remade in the image of Christ. That, that's how we, we can't do this on our own. And listen, make no mistake, every person in this room, online, every single one of us is being discipled by someone or something. Every single one of us is being made into an image of something or someone, all of us. And I think it's possible, um, I wrote it this way, I think it's possible that we are being formed more by the loudest and strongest voices in our world and media than by the words and spirit of Jesus. Followers of Jesus, I think there are times, I think it's quite possible that we're being formed more by the loudest and the strongest voices that we're listening to over and over than the, than the, the voice and, and the spirit of Jesus because those are the loudest and most common voices we listen to. And we begin to reflect the things that we hear over and over again. When that's true, we are becoming disciples of those people rather than disciples of Jesus. When we are allowing those voices to set the path and tone of our lives, we are disciples. We are becoming disciples of them. No longer are we a follower of Jesus. Does that make sense? So difficult, isn't it? I mean, let's just be honest. It's so difficult because we hear the same voices all the time. So we have to be careful and, and we have to pay attention and we have to root ourselves in Christ. I think it's no wonder that Jesus began his most famous teaching in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. And if you don't know how to follow Jesus, if you don't know where to start, just go to Matthew chapter 5 and 6 in the beginning of 7 and just be there for the rest of your life. It's enough. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is enough for the rest of our lives. Just rooting ourselves in, in Jesus and his teaching. And it's no wonder that he begins with this. If you want to be blessed, like it, what does it mean to be blessed by God? Blessed are the poor in spirit. I mean, it's not the things that we would put on the list. Blessed are those who get a front parking spot at Costco or blessed are those who hit every green light on Shea or blessed, you know, Whatever it is, like, blessed are those who mourn. What does that mean? Those who are honest about the pain in their lives, because it's when you're honest about the pain in your life that God can actually enter in and bring compassion to your very soul, if you can be honest. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the right thing. Blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart. And then I get stuck on this one. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those, another translation says, blessed are those who work for peace. Not who just say, let's give peace a chance, but those who actually work for peace, who give their lives in the pursuit of bringing people together rather than pushing people apart. It's like one of the things Jesus often said was, peace be with you. Almost every letter in the New Testament from Paul begins with grace and peace to you. Why is that? 
It's because peace is, is a primary experience when God is present. Fear not. You don't need to have fear because God is present. There's peace where God is present. Jesus, my peace I give to you. I don't give as the world gives. Like he's talking about his spirit and his presence with us. But if we don't choose to root ourselves in that presence, we won't experience the peace that comes and we can't work for that peace in the world in which we live. Gosh, this is a hard subject. It's so difficult because we hear it and like I read it and I'm like, yes, I want that. I want to be that kind of person. Don't you? And then you go out from here and you enter the rest of the world and you just eat, like you just quickly get sucked into the, conver- the kind of dialogue that is present all around us. And it's just so easy to jump in and enter the fray, the battle. And it's why rooting ourselves in Jesus and opening ourselves you know, the, the one practice that could just change everything for you and for me is if before we opened any news, any other outlet, that we just take the time in the morning to open our hearts and minds to the Spirit of God and the words that he's already given us. And if you don't know where to start, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, just start there. And root yourself, like open yourself to those before you open anything else. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary. Are any of you tired of the dialogue in the world that you hear? Are you tired of the signs and the commercials and all the stuff that's just feeding the anger and the anxiousness? Are you tired of all of that? And here's the challenge is I get tired of it too. And I'm like, if you just vote like I vote, everything would be fine. (laughs) Right? I mean, that's the answer. No, but that's not the answer. That's not the answer. There is no political party in the world. There is no political presence in the world that can bring what the kingdom of God can bring into our day and age. There's none of it. So Jesus says, come to me. All you who are weary, and I will give you rest. I'll give you peace. I'll give you a new experience and a new way of living. Why can he do that? Because Jesus is humble and gentle at heart. If we want to be followers of Jesus, if we want to follow in his his ways and his teachings, if we want to be his disciple, this is a good place to start like to nurture humility and gentleness in our own lives. And that means in our voices, in our conversations, in the ways we do social media, all of that. So if you were to dig into some of your like, now were we talking about a book? (laughs) If you were to dig into Scott Saul's um, book, you would find, he says this, and I love this. It's because we have been treated with such kindness. So this is, it starts with Jesus and what we experience from God. It's because we've been treated with such kindness and grace and gentleness that we ought to be the most difficult people in the world to offend. And sometimes I think we're the easiest people to offend. But Scott suggests we should be the most difficult people in the world to offend because 
We have been so offensive to God, and yet he has welcomed us to his table with open arms. That, that, that we, should, we should have that same mindset. And so he gives us, he, what Scott does is he walks through five things. Now, what I want before I put this up, I want you to think about um, these five things that Scott suggests. And um, maybe just pick one or two for you that you'd want um, God to, to do some work in your soul. And um, here, here's what he says. Here's the five things. We need to grow thicker skin. We need to do anger better than we've done it. I mean, we all get angry. He's very, and the Bible is clear. Like, we all get angry. In fact, Paul said, in your anger, do not sin. Like, in your anger, because you're going to be angry, like, be careful what you do or what you allow that anger to do through you. So we need to do anger well. We need to receive criticism graciously. What does that mean? If you're like me, when there's criticism that comes, you get defensive and you just want to tell that person why they're wrong. Um, receiving criticism well listens, and even if there's only 5% of truth in that criticism, that's 5% you need. How do you receive that 5% in a gracious way, right? That's what it means to, to receive criticism graciously. We need to forgive all the way. Sometimes we forgive up until the point that it hurts, and then we hold on to all the stuff that's a little bit more difficult to let go of. So he says, well, you got to forgive all the way. And then we need to learn to bless our betrayers, the people who hurt us, the people who are on the other side. You know, we need to learn how to, how to bless them in the ways that Jesus did. Do you remember when Jesus was being nailed to the cross and the words that we have are, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do? Can you imagine someone driving nails through your arms? Just that? Can you imagine someone driving? And in that moment, as they're driving nails through your arms, that, that you say, forgive them. God, forgive them. I mean, most of us would say, Father, send them to not Father, forgive them, forgive them, for they don't really understand what they're doing. How do you bless the people who hurt you? How do you bless those that you think are betraying you? Um, one, of the, one of the things, she says, uh, Anne Lamott says some really like striking things and, um, at times, and she says this, you can safely assume you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. It's interesting, isn't it? That, that, that we get to the place where we're, rather than understanding our lives as being formed in the image of God, we actually form God to hate the exact same people that we hate. And this is pushing against that very thing. So am I more prone, uh, one of the questions you can uh, wrestle with today are, are Am I more prone to a calm, gentle response with those that I disagree with or to an aggressive and harsh statement? And, and see what this says that draws a line. Like the aggressive, harsh statement is the very thing that, that divides, draws that line. Or am I more prone to 
that calm and gentle response when I'm in a disagreement or in a tense or anxious. Um, so which one do you need? So here are the five. Here's the list again in case you missed it. Growth, yeah, some of you are like, can I have all five? Um, which one, though, would you say that God needs to work on? And so what we want to do in these next couple minutes is we want to give you time just to reflect on that. And the, the proverb um, that says a gentle answer turns away wrath. How, how do we become the people who are gentle like Jesus is, humble and kind? And so we're going to sing um, a song. We're going to teach you a new song um, that's really a, an invitation and a prayer for the Spirit um, to come rest on us. The name of the song is Rest On Us. And it's a, it's a prayer and an invitation for the Spirit to rest on us because here's the deal. I know us well enough. And some of you are like, you don't know me. I know us well enough to know that given the right situation and circumstances, something ugly rears up inside of every single one of us. And I know for myself, just like you, like I need God's spirit if I am to be a different kind of person in this world. And so I need the spirit to, to rest on me and to, to shape me and mold me and I know that about you too. You need God's spirit because you can't do this on your own. So will you stand with me and we're gonna sing this new song. And as we do, feel free to move around the room, light a candle, which represents God's presence. Uh, as you light that candle, say, God, I need your spirit to, to, to dwell in me, to transform me. Take communion. There's communion in the back ring um, on either side. Communion is a picture and a reminder of self-giving love. Jesus, whose body was broken, his blood was poured out for us. That communion, taking that communion, is remembering and committing ourselves to that same kind of love. Or there's a prayer station in the back. Maybe you need to write out a prayer and just get something off your heart. So, Father God, in these moments, we respond to you. And the truth is, you are kind, you are good, you are gentle with us. And I pray that your spirit would come rest on us, that you would fill us and transform us into the likeness of Jesus. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.